Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father God, we are so, so thankful that we get to gather here this morning and and worship together, sing songs of praise to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Father. There's nothing better. There is nothing better in this world than to have that relationship with you and to be able to come together with our brothers and sisters and, and sing and praise you to speak of you to learn about you lord it's the best thing ever so jesus be so glorified today allow our worship to be done in spirit and in truth lord god accept it lord god we ask that you accept our worship this morning lord god and in our hearts lord god continue to change our hearts to continue to give us a desire to get before you to have a relationship with you to praise you to sing songs about you lord it's crazy to the world the world doesn't understand what we're doing here this morning lord but we do and that's why we're here help us to be contagious lord god help us to be contagious in our in our speech and in our actions and in our in in just everything within our life lord god help our life point people to you lord god there's so many out there that are needing you and they don't even know it help us to be that bridge help us to be that conduit that more people may come into the kingdom of god and experience what we're experiencing this morning jesus be glorified. We pray this in your mighty, incredible, loving, and awesome name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys can be seated. How fun was that? We love it. I love the songs that just pull out the name of Jesus boldly and loudly. Changes everything. Changes everything within our life. All right. Kids, we're going to dismiss the kids right now. We'll let you guys get on out of here. And all you kids know what tomorrow is, right? Yeah, that kid knew. That's right. That being said, we'll just, we'll just cruise right into announcements here because tomorrow does start VBS. Fort Challenge is on. We're less than 24 hours for the kickoff. As you guys walked into the church, hopefully you saw the fort that's over here right off the corner of the building. Pretty cool stuff. Down below, if you notice, there's a flagpole and a corral and there's tents up already. Um, if you have a chance and you're not going to be here helping with VBS, stick your head downstairs. Some really cool stuff down there. It's going to be a great time. Um, there are just a few slots left. We tried to keep the keep it around 50 kids. We're almost, I mean, we're right there. Um, but if you have kids, grandkids that want to come, um, we're not going to discourage that in any way. It'll just make things a whole lot more fun for everybody. Um, but one thing I want from each one of you guys in here today, I want you guys to be praying for this VBS. Be praying for the kids that they just, man, they meet up with Jesus just a little bit more. There's going to be kids here probably don't have much of a foundation or a background. It might be brand new to them. Let's keep those kids in prayer. Let's keep all the volunteers in prayer as well, that they have excitement and enthusiasm and patience and endurance. It's going to be great. And heck, we'll just throw in there, we'll pray for the weather as well, that it's nice and it's cool, but not rainy. I mean, let's be specific here. God loves it when we're specific. It's like, we're not just going to pray for good weather. We're going to say, Lord, let it be cool and, and don't rain on us and let all the kids come here with excitement. And, and Lord God, let us have, have an inroads to the parents of some of those kids and invite them here. It's going to be a great time. VBS is always awesome. You guys excited? Volunteers, you guys excited? 
There's been volunteers that have been working hard this week, constructing forts and general stores and stables. We're, we're, we didn't do a saloon, so don't worry about that, guys. We didn't. We left the saloon out of there, but uh, um, we're going to call it a, a salon instead. All right. All those cowboys love to get their hair done, get their nails done, pedicures. It was big back then, but it's just going to be a great time. So please be in prayer for that. And then next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. So that means we have our last Sunday's potluck right after service. Always a fun time. If you've never um, attended one of those, if you're new here, if you're visiting here today, please, we would like to invite you back for that. It's always a great time. Something that I do to say, though, is that, um, well, how many of you guys think that it's important to be in service? You guys agree that it's important to be in service? That being said, um, we, we want you to bring your, your yummy foods and everything, but please bring them in crock pots and things like that. Um, what we don't want is we don't want our ladies to have to leave service halfway through service because you brought something that wasn't cooked, and it says put this in the oven at 350 for 30 minutes. That, that causes our, our ladies to have to not be in service, and we don't want that to ever happen. Um, so just please respect that. Also, um, you know, when service is over, or at least when you think service is over, a lot of people are like headed downstairs, and it's like, but service isn't always over when you think service is over. So, so when service, when we do the altar call, don't duck out of the altar call and, and think you're going to eat yet because you're not. <laughs> you're, we're going to take like 15-minute break in between just to socialize and let the ladies get ready for that. But there's important stuff that happens at the end of service, and we don't want to ever rush that simply because our stomachs are trying to, to tell us those things. Amen? We're good at all that. We're, we're, we're great at that. All right, four ways to give like always. We got. Um, you can give online, and you can give online through our app. If you don't have our app yet, I would highly recommend that you get our app. If not, you can just go straight to bridgehelena.com. You can text the amount. I don't know if a lot of people text the amount, but that's always an option. Giving boxes are hugely popular. We love that. You can mail it, and we know there's just there's. It's important to give. You know, God asks us to give, and he challenges us in our giving, and, and that's why we do it. We do it simply to be obedient, and I, I tell you, these, every Sunday morning I give you the opportunity, these different ways to give, simply because I don't want to stand in the way of you worshiping God. I don't want to stand in the way of any blessings coming into your life. I don't want to stand in the way of anything that's between you and God, so we want to give you that avenue and give you that ability to give and make it as easy as possible. All right. Those announcements were quick. That was good. And, and, and that's good because we want to we kind of slide on into a service. Before we get started, though, we want to wish all our fathers and dads and grandpas and maybe even great-grandpas happy Father's Day. There's, there's, there's great-grandpas in here and there's, there's, there's fathers that that are expecting fathers, and we celebrate them as well. It's just, it's awesome, the whole gambit of that. So happy Father's Day to all. There is a gift on your way out. Um, Zana and Amy will be at the table. We've, we've got a book for you guys on your way out. It's going to be awesome. Now, now I will say this, on Mother's Day, I, I did devote an entire message to mothers on Mother's Day. Dads, come on, have some steak later. We're going to just keep going with our, with our series on Colossians. Is that, is that okay? Because I'm telling you, at the rate we're going, mm, 2027, 2028 20, 20, maybe, I, I, I am having just a wonderful time um, going through this, this, uh, this book so far, and I'm telling you, I'm not getting very far each Sunday, so... Um, Last week, we, we got through a, a whopping two verses, um, and I'll just say we're not going to beat that today, um, but that's okay. So let's pray, and, and, and let's get started. We're going to seek the Lord um, 
for this service, this message, and this series. Father, once again, thank you that we can be in your house this morning. What a glorious morning. Lord, thank you for the rain, even though we've had so much. It's good. Lord, with all the vegetation, with all the green, it's so wonderful to see how how everything is growing and it represents life and help us to grow in you in the same way, Lord. It's it's just wonderfully beautiful out there. Lord, for today, Lord, in this service, open up our hearts. Open up our hearts. Truly, Lord God, if our hearts are troubled, if they're hurting, if our hearts are breaking, if our hearts are joyful, whatever it is, Lord God, just we give you our heart because we know you will take care of our hearts. So we open up our hearts to you. But Lord God, also open up our brains, our intellects, our reasoning, our thought processes, our emotional states. Lord, open up all of those so that we may receive your word. Your word is above all things, Lord God. So we, we desire your word. We desire every, every nugget, every little piece, every crumb. We want all of it. So Lord God, help us to understand. Holy Spirit, illuminate these scriptures to each one of us. And help us to apply these scriptures within our lives. Holy Spirit, help me to say everything that you desire me to say. And Lord, if you don't want me to say it, just shut my mouth. I love praying that prayer because then it makes it safe for me. And once again, I'm going to pray this. And you are faithful to this prayer. I know you are faithful. Every single Sunday you are faithful. Don't let anybody leave here. Leave this sanctuary. Leave this building the same way that they came in. Lord, I am confident that you bring change and challenge and conviction into each one of our lives when we yield to you. So, Lord, we yield to you. This morning, we pray this in that mighty name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just like that song says, pray in the name of Jesus and everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys excited today? Are you guys enjoying this series? I know we're only on part three, but are you guys enjoying it? Is it moving slow enough for you guys? I can slow it down a little bit. Not much more, um, but I think there's, there's a, a value in that. And we're just going to let God take this, and there might be Sundays where we get through three or four or five verses maybe even more, but, but as it is right now, this, the, the beginning of this letter is so, so amazing. So like I said, if you're joining us today, visiting here, um, we started a, a series a couple weeks ago in the book of Colossians. We're going to continue that this morning. Um, get comfortable. Continue to read this book. There's so much in it. The more we read it, the more comes out of it. Now, if you remember from last week, we did look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. And what really verses 1 and 2 are is this introduction to the the believers of the Colossian church. So so Paul Paul this is a in the Bible, but remember it's also called an epistle. An epistle is a letter. So Paul is, is writing this letter to the believers in, in the, the Colossian church, and he takes these first two verses and he really um, uses them as an introduction. And I hope you were able to see the importance of how Paul did use this introduction to, to really establish his authority in writing this letter. See, Paul had authority to address this church. Paul had authority um, um, to, to step in in times of trouble, as well as the, the relevance of, of really how he addressed this letter. You know, he didn't just dear John or to whom it may concern, but some of the wording he used, he, he said to the faithful believers. That's very important for us to understand that, that, that Paul is somewhat even differentiating who, who he's addressing this letter to. Now we know there were problems in this church. There were false teachers. So there were people that were not faithful believers, but Paul is ad- addressing it to the faithful believers. Um, so there was a lot of, st- a lot of things established in these opening verses. And because of the firm position that Paul took right at the beginning, we can now transition into one of the greatest passages in all of the epistles. 
But before we explore that, let's all remember the, the, really the three Christian principles that, that Paul is emphasizing here. You'll remember this from last week. We want to keep this in front of us. Number one, Paul is asserting uh, and establishing and, and proclaiming that Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. Number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. That's what this book is really all about. So it's important to keep these in front of us every time that we study this letter. And then, as I said last week as well, it's also important to, to really practically apply these principles into our daily life on a daily basis. And we do that by making it personal. So we take this, but then we switch it over and we say, Jesus, you are central and supreme to me. And in all things in my life, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. If you remember from last week. I, I recommended it. I even challenged people. I said, hey, when you wake up in the morning, state them. Talk about them. Tell Jesus these three principles. See what changes within your life. I hope some of you um, took me up on that. Um, and if not, start them out tomorrow. Start them out tomorrow. It's just a great way to start your day. That brings us to today, and let's see what God has for us today. Do you guys remember elementary school? No. That was like 100 years ago, right? Some of it, we kind of remember elementary school, right? Some of us loved elementary school. Some of us didn't love elementary school. I'll tell you what, I, I enjoyed first grade a lot, so much. I did it twice. I didn't want to leave. I'm like, man, I'm doing this over. And over again. How many of you guys in here were the kids that like ate the paste and the glue? Oh, Robin hides nothing, man. She's like, yeah, that was me. Do you still eat it? Or have you grown out? It's probably not as, you know, they say, they used to say it was made out of like horse hoofs and things like that. Well, so is jello and stuff. So now it's probably got all sorts of chemicals and preservatives in it and stuff. But uh, elementary school was fun. A lot was established, a lot happened in elementary school for each one of us. It's where we were introduced to the basics of education. And, and there was always, man, I loved PE. That was my favorite. And then I, then I liked art. And then recess was pretty good. And lunch, I really liked lunch. Music was a challenge for me. But then there was like other subjects that they threw in there, like like history and, and math. Math was kind of fun. And, and uh, science, science was, was always fun. But they, they, had a, they had a subject that was called language arts. And English, language arts um, taught, or, or maybe I should say attempted to teach the, the principles of the English language, especially in writing. How many of you know that the English language is not that easy to understand, to, to master all of those things? Just not that easy. But we, we were introduced to this idea of, of language arts. And then we took these, these principles that we learned in elementary school, and we took them into middle school, or, or what we used to call junior high school. I still call it junior high. Now they call it middle school. And, and this is where we were expected to actually apply some of those principles that we learned in language arts, things like grammar. I mean, you guys love grammar. Sentence structure. Punctuation. Things like prepositions and prepositional phrases, lots of the things that we're losing in this, in this world of texting, right? Man, when I text somebody, it's like, no, I got to back that up. There has to be a capital there and there has to be a period there and things like that. And then people text you back and it's like, LOL and things like that and stuff that it's like, well, what does that even mean? And it's like, I'm trying to read that in. It's just like, it's like a lot of learned is, is thrown out there, but, but as children, we're expected to learn it and, it, and, and we're expected to use it, and this was all about really learning how to properly construct a sentence, right, and then, and then sentences, and then we put those sentences together in order to make paragraphs, and then eventually, we're supposed to use all of that knowledge so that we can write essays, and term papers, yeah, 
fun stuff, right? Bringing back some great memories. Maybe not all that fun for me because honestly, for me, it was so structured. And in my writing, I don't always like structure. And I, I can remember this. I can remember really throughout junior high and high school. I remember my, my teachers would tell me, you know what, Jason, you're a really creative writer. You're a really good writer, but your spelling and your grammar and your punctuation, it's, it's terrible. One thing I would always struggle with and, and probably still do today is this concept called a run-on sentence, right? Run-on sentence. Um, for those of you who may have forgotten what this is, a run-on sentence occurs when two or more independent clauses or complete sentences run together without proper punctuation or appropriate conjunctions. What? What is all of that? It's like, heck, that, that even sounds like how I, how I think and how I talk half the time. I'm like a living run-on sentence. Well, I'll tell you this, Paul was blessed with this same great ability because it is a great ability to be able to construct a run-on sentence. In fact, Paul was the master of it all. Now, as we look at this next passage of Scripture, we need to understand that, that when our Bibles were translated into English from the Hebrew and the Greek in places... Our English grammar and our sentence structure was imposed, right? And that doesn't change the meaning or the context or the point of Scripture. Really, all it does is it makes it more familiar to how we read and we understand. So we need to understand that the original Greek and Hebrew didn't look exactly like the ESV or the King James or the NIV or whatever you're looking at. I say that all just so we understand um, that verse 3, verse 3 actually begins the greatest run-on sentence of all times. The greatest run-on sentence of all times. Paul, man, he did it. He achieved it. Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit inspires the Bible. Then that's an argument that the English teachers probably just, wouldn't understand, right? You're saying I have a run-on sentence, but Paul ran on all the time, and he was divinely inspired, so how can you? That doesn't work, you know. See, in the original Greek, the language that, that Paul, this letter in, Paul's sentence, this run-on sentence, this wonderful, beautiful sentence, actually goes from verse 3 until verse 14. It's awesome. Now, remember, in our Bibles, when you're looking in your Bible right now, you're going to be like, well, wait, no, Pastor, you're wrong. There's a period here, and there's, a, there's an interruption here. Um, we got to remember in our Bibles, we will see sentence divisions, but taking this as one long run on really makes it so amazing. So let's read it in its entirety. We're just going to read the one sentence this morning, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to break it down. And, and you guys got to understand, if you're following along with me, I went ahead with my pastoral liberty, and I went ahead and made this into one sentence by removing some of the punctuation here, but we don't lose any of the meaning, remember. All right, you ready for the longest sentence, the greatest sentence of all time? We'll look at uh, Colossians 1, 3, starting in 3 and going all the way to 14. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit 
And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow! That is an amazing sentence. Isn't that great? Somebody says, hey, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to memorize one sentence in the Bible. There's other ones that are like one or two. Jesus wept. How about that? That's a great one. That's easy. This is a long sentence, and it's, it's awesome. It is so good. How great is this sentence? See, in this one sentence, Paul conveys a thankful heart toward God. He affirms his continued prayer for this church. He recognizes Epaphras. Paul covers the, the breadth of, of, of salvation until the future when all things are brought under his, the headship of, of Jesus. And he encourages them to be strengthened and to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. On top of all this, Paul's heart for his church comes through in this sentence. It's a heart that is born out of Paul's relationship with Jesus, right? It's, it, it, this writing is because of Paul's relationship with Jesus, number one. Number two, it's his relationship with this church. But number one, it's always his relationship with Jesus. And that flows down through his writing. If you remember from last week, I, I said this. Humility in Christ allows us to see Christ in others. How many of you guys believe that is true? If we're not humble in Christ, if we don't have humility in Christ, we begin to see people, brothers and sisters in Christ, through our own eyes, and we start nitpicking, and we start picking up offense, and we start questioning and all this. Well, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to have humility in Christ, and then that allows us to see Christ in others. That's Jesus' plan, because he knows on our own, we will always screw things up. So let's humble ourselves and allow us to see others how Christ sees them. Paul's humility in Christ allows him to, to see Christ active and glorified in the faithful believers in the Colossian church. How else could he write such a sentence, which is very much a prayer for them? If you reread this, it sounds a lot like a prayer. It's a conversational prayer. It's the way we should pray it. It's the way we should, we should um, pray for others. Have you, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden you're praying? And it's like, that's a great run-on sentence, right? You just go from, from speaking to them to, to praising God and praying, and it, it just all flows together. I believe a lot of that was happening here, and we can learn from this example. So, so we need to, to, to very, much, very much do this. Again, we should be no different. We should long for this same passionate expression for God's church and our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Man, we should be talking about our, our God and our brothers and sisters in Christ all the time. Isn't this good stuff? Isn't this good stuff? So let's dig into this incredible run-on sentence because we want to glean as much as we can from it. And as the old saying goes, there is only one way to eat an elephant and that's one bite at a time. We're going to take one bite at a time. So let's start with verse 3. Colossians 1, 3. This is now out of the Amplified. Give us a, maybe a deeper understanding in some spots. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we pray always for you. This verse is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Just jumps right out there. It's Let's move on. Nope, not so fast. See, it can serve as a good reminder to each one of us for, for a couple different reasons. First off, part of being a born-again believer, a follower of Christ, is having a thankful attitude. How many of you guys in here have a thankful attitude? Part of the time, some of the time, maybe, here and there. 
I mean, you guys have a thankful attitude all of the time. That's, that's a challenge right there. Look at Psalms 106.1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Why do we give thanks to the Lord? Well, that's easy for everything. Everything that we have, everything, every piece of who we are, all the goodness, all the, all the grace, all the mercy, um, the fact that you woke up this morning, the fact that you're here today, we give thanks to the Lord in all of that. We give thanks to the Lord for His Son, Jesus Christ, and, and all that that accomplished. We give thanks that, that, uh, that Jesus is, gonna, is returning for His church. Hopefully soon, but we don't know for sure. But we give, we give thanks for all of those things. See, a thankful heart, when we carry around and express a thankful heart to, to, to Jesus every day, on a daily basis, multiple times through the day, a thankful heart may not change our situation or, or, or the person that we're dealing with, but a thankful heart changes us and in turn changes how we face whatever situation we are dealing with. In addition to that, living a life of thankfulness in in all things, man, it just brings peace and contentment into our lives. When we're thankful to God and we express to Him in a thankful heart everything that He has done for us, our perspective changes and it brings that peace and contentment into our lives. Now, secondly, We are to follow Paul's example here. We recognize that God is the one responsible for everything, including the generosity and the grace that he gives his people. We need to recognize that. And for the ultimate success of the gospel in people's lives. Now that's that's incredibly important because sometimes we're praying for people Man, we're praying and praying and praying. We're actively walking with that person. We're inviting them to church. We're buying them Bibles. We're we're sending them Christianese texts. Man, we're just trying to encourage them. And and, and they're just not coming to Jesus like like we want. They're not responding to the gospel like, like we want. And that can cause us to get down. That can cause us to drag our heels. Oh, woe is me. I'm an Eeyore. I'm gonna go eat thistles. I'm trying to preach to this person and nothing is happening and things like, see, we got to understand that it's God that carries that responsibility. The ultimate success of the gospel in people's lives is because of God alone. We are just to do the work that God has called us to do. That's to go into all the world and and preach the word and make disciples and baptize and and things like that. We we need to be doing that, but just because that person isn't coming as long, as as far or, or as quickly to Jesus as we think, we need to be confident and thankful in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that he actually gave us that opportunity. We need to give it to him. We need to stop trying to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. And we just yield to the Holy Spirit, and we're thankful in all things. Sometimes we get frustrated, right? When I was, we weren't here very long. We had just got voted in, which is like the brand new pastor. And, and I make this comment like, man, one of the worst part about being a Christian is you just can't take certain people behind the shed and hit them in the head with a shovel. Right, and, and people remember that, and that's just a frustration that we can have, but we need to give that frustration to Jesus, right, and say, Holy Spirit, just smack that guy in the head with a shovel because he needs to come to you, but I'm thankful that you gave me this opportunity, and I'm going to continue in this opportunity. And that's what Paul was talking about here. That was what was Paul, that's what he was all about. I want you to also look at how Paul identifies God here. This is very important, how he, how he identifies God. He says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I love how Paul says that, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this attests to who Jesus is. Right here, Paul is saying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Father. It's the Son of God. See, remember, it's going to show the the reader that that God, to whom we pray, 
is the God who Jesus Christ made known to us, especially through the New Testament, right? Because we understand that there's false teachings that had invaded this church. And, and a lot of that false teachings, really false teachings from, from all the epistles and the beginning of the church age till, till right now, it's, it's this questioning of who Jesus actually is. And that was very much going on here. So, so once again, here in verse 3 of this letter, it's an opportunity for Paul to proclaim Jesus as the undeniable son of God, just in the choice of his wording. See, when we're talking to people, it's important to allow the Holy Spirit to help us word certain things, right? I'll have people come up to me and they'll be like, hey, you remember when we were talking a few months ago and you said this? And I'm like, you have no idea. Sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't remember that. And they're like, yeah, but the way you worded it really helped me to understand some things. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm a English language flunky. So anything that I said was, man, that was the Holy Spirit speaking. We allow that because sometimes just the way we rearrange words or examples that we use, if yielded to the Holy Spirit, can make a huge impact, just like Paul is doing here. See, many people today, right now, are questioning Jesus as the Son of God. That's people that are outside of the church, worldly people who have no Christian background. They, they don't attend a church. They don't believe in Jesus at all. A lot of them don't believe in God at all. They may be spiritual people that don't like organized religion, blah, 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 blah. But they're questioning. They don't believe who, who Jesus is. They don't believe he's the Son of God. But I would also say there are many people this morning on this Sunday morning that are sitting in churches all around this world who are sitting in churches and they're questioning who Jesus is. They're not believing, fully believing that he's the Son of God. There's churches that preach. They question Jesus as the Son of God or what that entails. So though we're reading about this letter written so long ago, we're reading about things that are taking place today. See, these people, it's an argument that they wage because if they can discredit Jesus as the Son of God, it will cave in the entirety of Scripture. Did you know that? If Jesus isn't the Son of God, Scripture can be thrown away. It's not true. It's a big book of lies. In a, if, if a believer is persuaded to question the sonship of Jesus Christ, then the promise of God found all the way back in Genesis 3 is not necessary or it's incomplete. Therefore, the cross and the atoning death of Christ is not necessary. And now scripture is no longer truth, only a subjective add-on to the many other philosophies of mankind, at which point those great coexist bumper stickers and t-shirts, now they begin to make sense, right? But they don't make sense because this is not truth. Jesus, the Son of God, does not share his throne with anyone. Anyone at all. The truth is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ put forth the ultimate and only plan for the salvation of mankind. Reconciliation with the Father can only come by and through the Son alone. See, that's, that's, that's foundational truth that we cannot ever question. That's foundational truth that, that this church and this pastor will never question. Truth that we as born-again believers can never waver from no matter what. Are you guys with me? You guys with me? You guys liking this? Man, that's just this seemingly verse 3. It's like, oh, what's going on here? That's pretty straightforward. Is it that straightforward? But when we start to dig in, we understand that every word that Paul wrote was important. Every word that he combined with other words was perfect. He did it in a manner that was conveying a message. So, so let's keep going. Let's look at, let's look at verse 4. Colossians 1, 4. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, and of the unselfish love which you have for all the saints, God's 
people. Now, starting here in the next few verses, Paul gives the reason for his thankfulness. And we, and, and we love that, right? It's, it's Paul said it, now this is the reason. It serves as a way to build up and edify these faithful believers while giving all glory and honor to God and God alone. To start with, Paul writes that, that they, or more specifically, he has heard of their faith in Jesus, right? He says, hey, we have heard, heard of your faith in Jesus, but, but a lot of what Paul is really saying is, is I personally, me, Paul, the apostle, I have heard of your faithfulness and your faith in, in Jesus Christ. See, this is huge. This is monumental here. It's something that we can all relate to and, and something we should really all be doing. I, 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 I always love the reaction that I get when I walk up to somebody and I say, hey, so-and-so was, was telling me how, how you did this or that, and, and then this happened as a, as a result. It, it would sound something like this. Hey, Brad was telling me how you helped, he helped, you helped out your neighbor, and then as you're helping him, Jesus comes into the conversation. You were able to share your testimony with, with, with your, your neighbor, and, and, then, and then you didn't leave it there, but you took it another step, and you actually asked that, that person to come to church. Man, he was so excited. Brad was so excited that, that you grabbed hold of that God opportunity. And, and, and as I'm talking to this person in this style of conversation, the, the reaction is priceless. See, sharing our own testimony is, is vitally important. But so is sharing someone else's testimony in order to build up the body as well as others. And that's exactly what's going on here. Can you even imagine how these faithful believers in the Colossian church must have felt hearing this from Paul, no less? From Paul, the big dude, the big guy, the guy that's kind of in charge of it all, the guy that's so smart and he's done all these things and now, now we're hearing this from him. He's writing us a letter and he's conveying this. Now, now remember, this is important to remember, on the grand scale of things, things that are going on in this time in history, with all the new churches that are being planted, these new churches, this, this, this Jesus movement that is happening, the explosion of the gospel consuming this area and going out to the rest of the world. Remember that the, the Colossian church, as, as well as the city, were by no means, in man's opinion, it wasn't that big a deal. It was rather insignificant, right, by man's standard, just because the city had shrunk so much and this, this church was, was rather small um, in scale to some of the other churches. And on, and on top of all of this, top of all of this, the church, well, it's dealing with, with this internal problem. It's got all these problems going on and, and, and they're, they're, they're facing issues with false teachings and all of this is going on. See, the people in this church, they very well could have been at a low point, right? Fearful of losing their church, feeling like they had failed in this church plant, in this endeavor. Now imagine this, as they are beginning to read this letter addressed specifically to them as faithful believers, they get to this part right here. They get to this part. We heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of, and, and of the love that you have for all the saints. See, these seemingly small things can change everything, can't they? Paul had already praised them for being faithful believers, right? We just read about that last week, and now he is celebrating them because of what he heard from others. Isn't that the same thing that we should be doing. One of the main people Paul had heard from is Epaphras. He's the one who came to Paul. He's the one who said, hey, there's issues going on. But before he said there's issues going on, he said, let me tell you. Let me tell you of the good things that are going on in this church. And, and remember, Epaphras had come to Jesus under Paul's ministry, most likely in 
Ephesus. So it's Epaphras got saved in Ephesus. That's a lot of E stuff, right? And then Epaphras is presumed to be the one who actually went to the city and planted this church in Colossae. So he has this interest in him, and, 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 and he's coming to Paul, and, and because there's issues going on, but instead of just having his issues, Epaphras has to establish kind of what else is going on in this church. I'll tell you what. There are very few things that a pastor, this, this pastor right here, enjoys more than bragging about his people, right? When people find out I'm a pastor, they, they like to ask, oh, well, what kind of church is it? And I say it's a Bible-believing church that's full of amazing people. Those are two truths that I can stand on. We are a Bible-believing church, and we are filled with amazing People. See, instead of telling them um, that we are this denomination, we are located at this address, and we meet at this time, which are all pertinent facts, and, and I'll get to those later, but that's not who we are. So I tell them who we are, and each one of you in here today is who we are. I tell them that we're a loving, friendly, and laid-back church. I tell them that the culture of our church is inviting. And if they come, if you guys come, if you want to come on a Sunday morning, I'm going to tell you this. There are three things that are going to happen. Some of you have experienced this. They will get a jar of homemade jam. Don't we love our homemade jam? They will get a free coffee drink. And thirdly, they will be mauled by a bunch of genuinely good people who love Jesus and are glad that they are here. That's our culture. That's who we are. That's what I like to brag about. It's like, man, this is who we are. That is what we're all about. So here, here Paul is echoing not who he knows this church to be, but who he has heard them to be from others, a faithful body who extends love for all the saints. Despite what challenges this church is facing, no matter who is trying to come against it, to divide it, it is the faithful believers that are establishing the true culture of this church body of believers. So vitally important for you guys to understand this, to, to, to live this out, to take this in. See, let me tell you what, people see the true heart of a church as much now as they did back then. You guys have visited other churches, right? We'll go on vacation and we'll go to a different church and it's like, I miss our church so much. When we're gone, I miss our church because, because our church is loving and inviting. I have so many people tell me, you are, are leaps and bounds beyond every other church here in friendliness. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you are the friendliest church in all of hell. And I'm like, but what do you mean? And, and they give examples. And I'm like, are you serious? That's, that's what you experienced? It's like, no, we're quite the opposite. And there are some people that it's like, man, it's almost too much. Almost, but not quite. Because deep down, I think people love the, the friendliness and the companionship that, that, that is extended to them on a Sunday morning. Let's never lose that. Because of, of this, because of what's going on here, because of, of what Paul is including here, I believe Paul is conveying the understanding that if they hold true here with the culture of the, the faithful believers are, see, if they, if they stand firm in their faith in Christ and love God's people, everything else is going to work out. Paul's establishing that right here. Everything else is going to work out. It's a good lesson for us both corporately, but also individually. If we hold to our core beliefs, not just on Sunday mornings, right? I mean, you guys are friendly on Sunday morning. But if I see you out in the community and you're 180 degrees different, if I go to your workplace... I see you treating your coworkers and stuff differently. I'm going to 
wonder about that. So does everybody else. Oh, I visited your church Sunday. It was amazing. Why are you such a jerk on Monday? <laughs> but we don't do that here because our culture is, is very different. See if we hold true to those core beliefs, those Christ-centered beliefs, right? The great commandment, love God and love others, period. Love God and love others. Then not only will our foundation be firm, it will also be solid and endure whatever challenges, whatever divisions, whatever hardships that the outside world throws against us. Because let me tell you, that is ramping up more and more every day, isn't it? The outside world is coming against churches. We love God. We love others. If we have a culture of that, we're going to stand strong to that. Those waves are going to break along the rocks and nothing's going to happen to the rocks. But we have to have to believe that of, of in, inside stuff as well, right? Church doesn't fall because of attacks from the outside. Church falls because of divisions on the inside. Divisions on the inside come because we forget a few important things. Oh, I'm supposed to love God and love others. I'm supposed to humble myself. I'm supposed to be thankful, right? I'm supposed to forgive. Not supposed to pick up a fence. I'm supposed to walk with my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what Paul is conveying here, and he's 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 affirming in these in these believers. Again, imagine that. Imagine they're they're like they don't know what to do. They don't know. They're at a place where they're like, gosh, all this bad seems to be happening. We're trying to fight against this false teaching, but man, they're charismatic and they're they're drawing people away. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to focus on Jesus. Okay, that's a good idea. And, and maybe we should send our pastor to talk to Paul. And he goes, and, and, and before he does anything, he has to brag on his congregation. And, and in so doing, Paul writes this letter, and this letter comes back. And these people, they don't understand. They don't know what this letter's going to, man, are we in trouble? Is this Paul saying, shut the doors. You guys are finished. All of us, no, they open this up and they begin to read this. And, and again, I just wonder how that made each one of those faithful believers feel. See, remember, in a letter like this, it wasn't like, oh, I got a letter, an email from Paul. I'll, I'll just forward it to all the church members and they can all read. No, they didn't have that. They all came together and that letter was read in this type of atmosphere. So they got to experience that all together. Amazing stuff. We need to respect Paul because of how he worded things. We need to, to relate to Paul in how much he loved this church. But what we really need to do is connect with Paul within his understanding of who Jesus is, how he was thankful, how he, how he humbled himself before Jesus. See, it all starts from there, and it trickles down out of there. When our foundation is solid, then we will live a life that others will be talking about. Right? When we're the church that's friendly, when we're the church that's loving, when we do a VBS and every kid that comes is made special, but so is the parent that's dropping that kid off, that that, that parent doesn't even want to leave. They're just going to hang around for VBS, and then we're going to invite them to church, and they're going to show up here. They're going to have jam in one hand. They're going to have a coffee in the other, and they're going to have all these people, awkward, weird people, wanting to introduce themselves, welcoming here, and they're going to have a feeling inside of them. They're going to say, man, something's missing in my life. My life is very lonely without, and then just maybe, maybe they'll start coming here, and through that, maybe they'll just connect with Jesus, and maybe their life will be incredibly transformed, and eternity will be changed within their lives. That's the culture that we, that we develop here and that we extend. Let's stop here, because if I get into another verse, we're going to be here for another 45 minutes, um, and it's Father's Day. There's guys, they want to go home, they want to eat their steak, and then some more steak, and then maybe some bacon after that, and, and all that good stuff. So we're going to stop here today. Worship team, if you guys want to come up. But though we were stopping here today, for some of you guys in here today, today's the day to really start living out what a life in Christ is all about. So there are certain things that I probably said in here that maybe touched a nerve or, or you 
related to a little bit more. As we enter in to this, this, this worship time at the end, we're opening up the altars once again. Altar response last Sunday surprised me just because of, of how the message was structured. I didn't plan on a, on a large altar response. In my view and opinion, the altar response for today, there's a lot, there's more to think of maybe here today of how we are conducting ourselves, what we are extending. Are we humble? Are we thankful? Some of the times we just come to the altar simply to express our thankfulness to who God is. Sometimes we come to the altar simply to humble ourselves before God. John McNeil came up with his sweet little granddaughter and it was awesome and and he he always brings her up and they worship together and and it's just such a great example especially here on father's day but but i love watching him and and he would put her down and she would do this she wanted to be picked up by her grandfather held by her grandfather that's why we raise our hands in church right it's out of surrender it's saying pick me up man i need you Things like that. We come to the altar out of humility and out of thankfulness. So if you're if you're thankful for God, if you just want to hum- humbly seek Him this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. If you if you need Jesus in your life, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and and have some time. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you. If you have sin in your life, you need to confess. Confess it at the altar. If you need to repent today, if, if God is setting out a challenge in your life, if you're going through hard things, come to the altar. Break yourself upon this rock and allow God's loving kindness, His wisdom, just to wash over you. Again, don't leave here the same way that you came in. It's impossible. You've heard God's word. God word God's word changes us. He has brought you to a point now where the degree of leaving here differently is all right now in this altar time. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing that powerful song again, Tremble. We come to Jesus and we humble ourselves and we tremble before the Lord not because we're scared but because we're in reverence toward his greatness. Everybody stand up with me, please. Let's pray and let's get some altar time of thankfulness and humility and seeking God. And some of you guys need guidance and a blessing. And and that's what it's all about. Father, Lord, as we enter into this portion of your service, Lord God, I pray that people have an open heart, that they long for more of you, And Lord God, that fear or oppression or thinking of what might others think. Lord God, let none of those things keep them from the altar today. Lord, I believe there's people in here. You're going to give them a prayer for certain people. Lord God, allow them to come up and pray with one another. Let's just exalt you with that thankful heart in humble submission. Lord God, we want more of you and we understand we can't do it without you. So Lord God, why would we even try? Jesus, bless this time. Minister, Holy Spirit, minister, that we may leave here today truly different than the way we came in. A little you longing and striving to be with you every day. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So, so if you understand what, what that song is saying, see, the, the world, the world wants to make us little Christians shrink back. The world wants to scare us. They want to call us these little Christ. So you guys think you're just these little Christ and to shrink back. And That's not the truth. The truth is that the name of Jesus, he, he makes the darkness tremble. There's nothing that stands against the name of Jesus. We love God and we love others. And that makes the darkness tremble. So we need to be taking our Jesus outside of this building, right? We need to be loving on people, but we need to be making the darkness tremble. We need to make the fear get out of here. And that's us living 
in Christ. It's what Paul's talking about. It's the thankfulness and it's the humility. It's the love for Jesus that he has that's overflowing into his desire to make sure that this church stays solid. Let's love our community in such a way that it overflows. Make the darkness tremble. In this community, there's a lot of darkness. But let's get out there and let's make it tremble. Amen. We're going to sing just a little more. There's people getting ministered to. The Holy Spirit's doing what the Holy Spirit does. So, so if you need to go, quietly go. If you want to talk, talk in the foyer. But we're just going to worship Jesus just a little bit more. But really, as of this, we're dismissed. Service is over. But linger as long as you need. Amen. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.